podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Big Strong Leicester Boys podcast. I am not Jake Watson, pretty obviously. Uh, Jake uh, will be joining us shortly. He uh, He's away doing something really exciting this weekend and uh, and he'll be on to update us with his uh, trials and tribulations of, of, of that. Um, but as ever, uh, I am joined uh, by Rick Flair and Jordan Halford. And I'm also, we've got a very special guest today. So we're joined by Graham Smith, who is the co-founder and co-chair of Boxers Pride too. So um, I'll start with you, Graham. How are you? How's your weekend been? Very good, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been, yeah, it's been a nice weekend, apart from the uh, second half yesterday, I think. Um, yeah, nice weekend. Uh, got lots of stuff with friends. Had the football versus homophobia fixed yesterday, which was great. And um, yeah, so everything good apart from the football. Good. Yeah, there's a real theme on this podcast that... Everything is also is always great apart from the football. But um, I do want to speak to you about the uh, the fixture yesterday and the football versus homophobia and get your take on that. So, thank you very much for for joining us, um, Jordan. I saw you yesterday, uh, and I know you've had a decent win this morning on your Sunday league uh, game. So I'm I'm guessing you're not too bad. Yeah, that's perked me up a little bit because we got to our <laughs> second quarter final of the season um, yesterday. I think when I saw you, Jack, I was a bit a bit annoyed but slept on it a little bit and um not as not as angry as I was yesterday but I, I got to see um, one of my Arsenal supporting friends in the pub after the game as well so I had a good little catch up with him um didn't feel great this morning I have to say when I woke up first 10 minutes for me were a bit <laughs> ropey but I was all right after that I think <laughs> good good to hear and um and Rick how are you yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, Jack. Uh, football was obviously well. I, I, I'm still grappling in my mind on how to what to make of yesterday because we've played a lot, lot worse this season, haven't we? And, and been thraped in games. But as far as going forward, yesterday we, I think our XG, which has broken a record of 0.01, uh, I actually think it, you could have probably got more if we hadn't actually played. I think there'd probably been a mathematical possibility of an own goal not playing against anyone than what we did yesterday. But, um, yeah, it, it was yeah baffling game plan, but I'm sure we'll come on to that. Um, and hopefully we get a reaction in the week and at the weekend because they're probably not bigger games, but uh, they're all big games now. But, yeah, we've, we've got a we've, we, there's no hiding places now. We've got the tough ones out of the way. Yeah, we have got the tough ones out of the way. Speaking of which, uh, when you say um, it would have been better had they not had anyone play against them, have you ever heard Peter Crouch's story where they line up in training doing shape against no one and they they were 1-0 down after five minutes? <laughs> um, but speaking of that, I'm not, I'm not the, I think you know I'm not the world's biggest fan of XG. Uh, but um, it does tell a story about the game. And... Um, Whilst defensively we were all right, we uh, to say we didn't offer a lot going forward um, is possibly an understatement. But I, <laughs> I just wanted to get—I mean, I've I've seen the reaction on on social media, and as ever, Leicester fans have taken defeat really, really well, as as we have as well. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to get 
get your take on on the game itself and uh, and what you thought. And Graham, I'll uh, I'll start with you. Okay, so well, I always get in trouble with my friends because I'm always like glass half full and over positive and things like that. And I'm still very happy to be Brendan in. Um, but I think for me, it's like if if you said at the start of the game it'd be one nil to Arsenal and we'd defend pretty solidly, which we did, and they had one shot which they scored with. Um, you'd probably take that. I think the issue, of course, is the fact that there was absolutely nothing going the other way. Um, and so I, I think I think Rick was right. It's that kind of it, that that was the frustration, wasn't it? You, you've got um, we did defend well. You know, there was some times when I was thinking, oh, please don't pass it there, please don't pass it there. Um, but they still got it out. Um, the balls out weren't terrible. It just was no one at the end of them. Um, and I, I, it felt a bit to me like the Man City game in the sense that you got the sense we we're going to try and get to seventy minutes, and then. He put he put Vardy on, he put Tillemans on, and you kind of had the idea that he was going to start going for it, but it did, just didn't click after that at all, did it? Um, so yeah, it was frustrating to watch, but like like you said, um, it's been a lot worse this season um, than that, and actually we've defended a lot worse than that. Um, and yeah, I think it like like you've also said, it, the, the the focus this week has to be on Tuesday night and next Saturday. Um, because if, if if we if we if we win on Tuesday night and we win next Saturday, suddenly everybody's happy again. Um, so so for me, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not at the point of, of wanting to kind of finish things off. I, um, you know, I went downstairs at half time and somebody was like having like kind of minor heart attack over how badly we were playing. And I was like, we're nil nil against Arsenal. We're not playing that badly. Um, was just, that Rick? It wasn't Rick, was it? Uh, no, it was. I, I, I don't know how short you are, but it was quite a short person. Uh, uh, we, 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 we were than you. Uh, <laughs> I'd, walk, I'd walked out. I was fuming. <laughs> uh, it was quite a short person with a bit less hair. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, it was just. I, I just. I think sometimes Leicester fans. Um, we, we go. I'm, I'm sure the fans of all clubs are the same, but we seem to go from extreme to extreme. When it's good, it's the best thing it's ever been. When it's terrible, it's the you know it's the worst possible thing that could be happening. And I'm like, there there is more to life than football, isn't there? Um, yeah, apparently I've I've not yeah. found it. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I think I, um, I I've reflected on the game myself and and thought it's difficult for us to get the balance right at the moment because we're either very very good going forward and we concede a load of goals or we go really cagey and defensive and then don't score a lot of goals. And I think that's, that's what Rogers is, is struggling with. Jordan, I know you uh, were pretty frustrated after the, after the game yesterday. You, you say you've calmed down a little bit, but I, I'd be interested to get your, your take on where you're at with it at the moment. Cause you were, you were, uh, you were going for it after the game, which was good to see. Yeah, I think yesterday I described it as the worst performance of the season, which given we've been battered 6-2 and 5-2, was probably <laughs> maybe a bit harsh. But the thing that really frustrated me, and, and Graham said frustrate, frustrating, is, and I think that's the right word, but we didn't show any ambition whatsoever. And for me, that was a free hit yesterday. Uh, I'd watched Villa play Arsenal the week before and gave them all sorts of trouble and probably should have got a point out of that game. And I don't really understand what the game plan was. I mean, obviously, they're top of the league, but they've had a little bit of a wobble recently. And we just sat off them and gave them so much respect. Um, and, and just, I mean, I think that's got to be the easiest three points they've had all season. Um, that said, yeah, we, we did um, defend fairly solidly. Um, they didn't create too many chances. 
I do think the first goal they scored wasn't a foul on Danny Ward. I didn't think it was a foul in real time. I've seen it back on Match of the Day and I didn't think it was a foul. I know he's holding Ward's arm, but I still thought it was a fairly soft free kick. Um, and, and, you know, 0.01 XG, I think that's right. I think that's generous. I can't remember Ramsdale touching the ball. Um, but look, you know, like Graham rightfully said, Tuesday, you know, I'm not saying it's a bigger game, but it's a game that if we win, we're in the quarterfinal of the Cup. And if we beat Southampton, this week will be forgotten. So um, just the main frustration for me was we just didn't take it to, to Arsenal. And like I said, I thought it was a bit of a free hit and we didn't have anything to lose. But, you know, when Madison's not in the squad, you see the difference. Obviously, against Tottenham, we were probably the best we've been all season. And then Madison's not in the side. Yuri's on the bench. Um, and, and Brendan brings Tete off, which baffled me a little bit as well. But not on to Tuesday. That's a massive game. We win on Tuesday and we're one win away from Wembley. So um, we move on. Indeed we do. Uh, Rick, your take on the game? Um, yeah, like what Graham and Jordan have said and, and you've said as well, Jack, I just found the game plan to be a bit odd because... Rogers has got many qualities and he's got many weaknesses as well. But one thing that I think in the last four years we can be quite certain on is he cannot play defensive football very well. We aren't a team that wins 1-0. We aren't a team that draw 0-0. Yet that was what it was set up to do. We've not kept a clean sheet against one of the perceived big six since about 2020, I think. I'm sure it was Spurs 2-0, December 2020. So I don't know what they were trying to achieve yesterday because <coughs> We were always going to concede at least once. It's like going into the toilet needing a pony with no bog roll, having one, and they're saying there's no bog roll. You know, <laughs> we we were always going to concede, and yet we didn't have one single shot on target. We had one shot, didn't we? I think, and there was that one sort of uh, Barnes flashed it across, and I thought Tete should have perhaps got on the end of it, which may have actually been a goal. But you know, it was we've we've looked naff going forward at times like all teams do and you know usually we don't that's that's the least of our worries but it was as there was just nothing even when we got on the break you know Ian Acho would be on it and you know his first touch yesterday was abysmal again after a, a few uh, performances where it was looking a lot tidier and then it just all broke down Arsenal were defending in such massive numbers um, that you, you just couldn't do anything. I don't know whether that was us or or they're just, you know, they're, they're so good at, at moving around the pitch and nullifying it. I just, it's frustrating. Um, but we did defend better. Suter had a good game. I was raving about him at half time, And then obviously a minute later into the second <laughs> half, he, he sadly, I mean, it wasn't. I don't think he did a lot wrong to get turned and nutmegged. Castagna, um played a, a, a clearance stroke pass that you, you'd like to think he could have done a bit better with him because he did that. He was then a bit out of position um, and Suta didn't really have a lot to, to be able to protect himself with and, and he got turned. And I mean, Danny Ward yesterday. It's <laughs> like trying to eat soup with a knife and fork with him in goal. You just, he's just, you, you are on the back foot always. I, I don't know. I don't know with him. You can't. What What did he actually do wrong yesterday? Okay. 
<laughs> first and foremost, as Jordan says, very it, it was a foul, but I prefer. I, I called that. I mean, I'm 60 yards away. I called that. You've got the WhatsApp messages to prove it. Uh, did. I did call that and said it was a foul. Yeah. I then watched it back and was like, mm, I'm not sure that was a foul. Yeah, my I, I just think after that, he didn't check where he was in the goal. He was standing. It, it was like he was marking the post because that, <laughs> it, otherwise he would have saved that from Trossard because it was it wasn't top top corner, was it? It was just like put into the net. Then there was a, he had a calamitous moment. Was it with Fass? Uh, again, it was nearly a Castagna from against Spurs where he'd come out but not really said anything. Um, uh, and then, thankfully, Fast cleared it. But I just, I don't know. He didn't do a lot wrong. But as I say, there's just no confidence there. I think everyone's on eggshells with him. Um, but, yeah, I I just, I'm at, I'm at the end of my tether with him. How Everson can't get a little gig in the Premier League just to see. He can't be any worse. Um, and... I keep coming back to we had 20 million spare to spend on Jack Harrison that we didn't. How come, why didn't we try and get a goalkeeper? Albon Lafont from Nantes was supposedly available for 15, 20 million. He's their captain, brilliant. But instead, we got that pratting goal. Um, oh yeah, I'm done with him. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you about Ward now. Ward just doesn't seem to make any saves. I think he's. It's a bit like watching a Sunday league keeper, you know, when you've got an actual goalkeeper playing. It feels a bit like you've got someone in that can catch it and kick it, but won't do anything else. So you're like, oh, he's fine. Like, he can play in uh, in there. Um, and I know that sounds a bit harsh, but we are over halfway through the season and I'm kind of going now. Um, he's not good enough and we definitely need another another goalkeeper. I don't know whether Everson's the answer. I've not been particularly impressed with him when he's played for us. I know he was player of the season at, at Preston. Um, but it is, you know, I think Danny Wolves was player of the season at, um, at Huddersfield as well. So uh, I, I'm not sure that's that's necessarily the answer. And I, I was called out about three episodes into this podcast for saying Alex Smithies could be number one. So um, I think that would be a little bit far-fetched. But um, yeah, he, he, he doesn't do enough for uh uh for me as keeper and I, I think um there was an article from from Percy in the week about how Schmeichel departed and the impact that that's had but it sounds like that was possibly a good thing for the whole morale of the squad given that he wasn't a particularly popular captain which was probably a bit of a surprise for some people to hear but um he he certainly was a big character in the dressing room and a big part of our problems last year so I um I don't really know what you do what Brendan can do because you drop your goalkeeper I think that's a massive change and um impact to the team um whether that's the the right thing to do or not I don't know but he's he's clearly backing Ward and and sticking with him the only thing I would say with him he's not he's not made any glaring errors um this season uh, that I can remember. I'm sure someone will remind me if they, if he has. I just don't think he's done anything particularly good. Like he, he made one save yesterday, which is half decent, but he, he just doesn't make a lot of saves. And maybe that's because we've been spoiled with Schmeichel for however many years and he was a great shot stopper. But um, he just doesn't, doesn't seem to do a lot for me. And um, yeah, it's definitely a position we need to look at in the summer. Um, Graham, Jordan, what, what are your thoughts on that? I'll start with you, Graham. 
I mean, I think it's it's hard. Michael's a a, um, a tough act to follow, isn't he? And uh, that that's got to be hard for him. Um, I mean, for me, I think I think that the issue is sometimes um, that some of the positional play and things like that. So so when the ball's coming in, is not quite where he needs to be. So while he may not have contributed to um, goals through his own kind of mistakes, it's whether or not um, he's got the confidence of people. I and mean, we all remember that 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 own goal against Liverpool, don't we? Where um, where you get, the, you get the vibe that the defence perhaps don't quite have the confidence um, in him um, when he called for it, but they didn't let him have it. Or maybe he didn't call loud enough, I don't know. Um, but so, yeah, I, I think <clears throat> I, I think it's hard to lay um, I think it's hard to lay the blame for Leicester's kind of former league position at, at, at Danny Ward. I mean, there's so much other stuff that hasn't been right. Um, and I get, I get the vibe sometimes that, uh, that Danny can be a bit of a scapegoat for people. Um, which I think is a bit unfair. You know, he's a good goal. He's a, he is a good goalkeeper. You know, he is an international goalkeeper who puts in man of the match performances for his country. So, so he obviously he he, he can ob- he obviously can do it. Um, but maybe he's a confidence player. And actually, during that run where we didn't concede like a goal for like seven games or something uh, before the World Cup break, um, no, no, no one was talking about Danny Wall making a mistake then. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just. I think people need a scapegoat sometimes. So I, I think he's—I think he's an average keeper, um, not a bad keeper, not not a world beater. And so, yeah, I, I think we probably do need to strengthen. Um, but I don't necessarily think we're we're at the the end of the world with Danny Ward in goal. I completely agree with with a lot of that. Um, I think, firstly, you know, replacing Schmeichel has probably been the best goalkeeper we've ever had. Um, again, it's like. You know what we were saying with Vardy at the other end of the pitch, replacing him is is difficult, and obviously Daka's getting a lot of stick. Um, but with Ward, I think I joked earlier in the season that he um, it's sometimes like a cartoon when he saves it, he ends up in the net with the ball. Um, but he reminds me a bit of De Gea when De Gea first came over for for um, United. Very similar um, build, not the. He doesn't seem to fill the shirt, if that if that makes sense. Um, and as a keeper, that, I mean, even yesterday, the goal I, I, that got disallowed, I can't ever imagine Casper... Well, I can't imagine Casper coming off his line for a start, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine Casper would have been found in that manner because it just felt so soft to me. Um, but that said, I think he's a good shot stopper. Um, his one-on-ones are a bit of a worry. Um, he seems to make himself a bit smaller. <laughs> which is which is not ideal. I think his kicking's <laughs> half decent. He's not the you know the worst shot stopper. He's a bit better from court from you know coming out for crosses. And what have we played twenty odd games? I I think Ward would benefit from having another goalkeeper um, pushing him in training. It's very difficult for him as well. He's come from a number two for the majority of his career, and he's been thrust into to playing you know for a, a top half Premier League side, replacing the best keeper we've ever had. So. I think I think you're right, Graham. He's not, you know. I don't think he's he's necessarily a goalkeeper, perhaps for where we want to be. But I also don't think he's a, a terrible keeper either. Um, and you know, I'm kind of willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't necessarily think the blame is at his door for for some points that we've dropped. Um, interestingly, you mentioned about Wales when I was at out in the World Cup um, when we played Wales. There was a Tottenham fan next to me and. He was kind of slating Danny Ward, and it does feel like he's become a bit of a scapegoat, and he's got this sort of reputation that's that's stuck to him now. 
just because of the start we had. And like you say, that run we mm. went on when we kept four or five clean sheets on the bounce um, and we had a, more of a settled back four, he looks a lot more confident. And, you know, one minute Fez is in and out the side or Amarty's in and out. And now Suter's signed, um, you know, Christensen signed. Hopefully we get a bit more of a consistent back four or five, including the keeper. And, um, you know, he, he can grow in stature a little bit. Hopefully, um, that would be good. Uh, the reason I'm a little distracted is uh, Jake's just joined us. And um, Jake, you'll be really pleased to know I've made you some intro music before you uh, you tell us about what you've been Tara up to be this happy weekend. I one of these. She thinks they're death traps. Oh, time for another Tara update. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, Jake, what have you been up to this weekend? Have I ever told you, lads, I do high rocks? <laughs> You may can have mentioned me it okay. once or twice. We can. can it's bounced okay, much yeah. better than it did earlier. Can you hear and see us? I can. So, so apologies if it doesn't sound great. I'm literally sat outside a bar in Vienna at the moment. And obviously half time of the, the Carabao Cup final. But yeah, I'm, I'm obviously not with you guys this weekend because I'm over here doing High Rocks, which for people who don't know, it's like a, a fitness race, which I do quite a lot of, which obviously the lads hear quite a lot about. But yeah, I'm in Vienna at the moment. And uh, before you ask me anything about the game, I actually I haven't seen a single moment of the game from yesterday, but by all accounts, I don't think I missed much, did I? No, you Nothing. didn't. You didn't no. miss much. Uh, we've currently spent five minutes talking about whether Danny Ward's um, a good number one or not, so we are really draining it, and we haven't had any egging <coughs> stories yet. Um, so, yeah. Um, but on the subject of High Rock, so, so just so people do know what it is, it's, it's a bit of running and a few star jumps, isn't it? And then you take your top <laughs> off, and, and that's sort of it, really. <laughs> Yeah, first rule of high rocks, you, you're not allowed to wear a top. That's, that's the first rule. And the second one is you've got to tell everybody about it as well. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's the World Series of fitness racing. It's lots of running, uh, lots of pulling sleds, pushing sleds, uh, lunging, um, rowing, skiing, that kind of thing. Um, so, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Um, sounds painful. Uh, well, you'd be delighted to know that we've managed to actually ha- like stream the podcast and i think it is recording yeah i think so although i did go missing for a bit so yeah uh, i've had more fun with like the intro music and stuff like that than anything else mm. to be honest um so so yeah but it, it seems mm. to be going all right um i, I do yeah. have a question about um the game as far as leicester related goes i say you know i must stress i didn't see the game yesterday but, and honestly, I don't know if you've mentioned and spoken about him already, but um, Tete. We haven't, we haven't spoken about Tete yet. He was, on my, he was on my list and we have actually had a question in on Twitter about Tete, uh, right, which so, I think so we should he... probably direct to Rick, really, because he is his ultimate fanboy. But dragged yeah. after 60 minutes, I think he had 20 touches in 60 minutes. Um, so we're, we're, we're four games in, aren't we? And he was magnificent in that first game. But with all due respect, I know the, the opposition have been Spurs, United and Arsenal, which, you know, should be factored into this. But he hasn't really done anything, has he, in the, in the last three? He's gone from thinking we've got a superstar here and everyone taking Brazil flags to, to the king power to now thinking, do you know what? I'm not as 100% convinced by him as I was a few weeks ago. I'm very offended by that, Jake. <laughs> Sorry, um... mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I mean, you, what can you say? I, I thought last week against Man United, first half an hour, I thought he did 
looked pretty good again. Those flashes of brilliance with Castagna got in down the right hand side a fair few times and a bit of bad decision making with whether to shoot or, or sort of flash it across to Barnes. But yeah, his two home games, Spurs and, and yesterday against Arsenal, um, he was anonymous. Uh, I think that's probably the, the kindest thing we can say to him. Uh, I do think on some of that, it's not all on him. Now, am I being very, very lenient there when I've then just slated Danny Ward for for sort of, you know, some some things that are, are perhaps not fair? Maybe so. But, you know, I do feel like we're not yet in sync with getting the ball out to him as much as we are now with Barnes. Barnes is getting a hell of a lot more of the ball than he perhaps was. Um, I thought he played but, well, Barnsley, yesterday. I thought yeah. he was one of our better players. Yeah, he, he, he certainly didn't. I don't think he was poor. Um, and he, he did look like he had a bit more purpose on the ball and wasn't quite as sort of, um, you, you know, stuck on what to do as perhaps he was a few weeks ago before Tete arrived. So I just think, I think the next few games will be telling on Tete if he's still not mm. delivering against the likes of Blackburn if he plays Tuesday or Southampton. Then, then maybe I will have to grovel to everyone that I've yet again gobbed off about a player, and they're not as good as. Um, but no, I'm I'm still confident it'll be it'll be the bollocks. Isn't it? Isn't it the case so that part of the reason that um, Barnes is getting more of the ball, and and that is because is because we got to a now because actually the opposition are slightly more wary of of the right as well as the left because before they were just shoving everything on Barnes because that was the only outlet and now we've got two outlets right maybe only one's working, um, but actually he's having an effect in that in that way and the other new signing that's really helping Barnes is obviously Christensen. Um, who I thought had a really good game yesterday, both defensively and even though there was no end product, getting the ball out of defence too. I completely agree. I thought, uh, Victor, I thought it was really interesting because Thomas has struggled against Saka the two times he's played against him. I didn't think he got kicked yesterday. Um, And actually, at one point, he kicked Christensen over. I think a couple of times, actually, you could see he was really annoying him. Um, I think he's a terrific signing. I think... I think Rick, another one you've got wrong. You said he was slow. He's lightning quick. Hmm. Um, so, um, so yeah, we'll uh, we won't have you for the next transfer yeah. segment. We've been yeah, in. You well, that, but... I don't, I've told you not to bother with me. I, that <laughs> somehow I've then ended up as permanent residency on here. But yeah, yeah. you don't. Yeah. Some of my claims will be false. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, One thing I did want to talk about, and it really, really irritated me over the game, and it's not necessarily related to this game, but the time wasting in the last half an hour, the ball must have been in play about four minutes, and then they had on five minutes at the end of the game. And Arsenal were playing for it. I mean, Zaka spent the entire second half falling over and claiming he'd been kicked. But it just... I just think it's ridiculous now that the Newcastle are absolute masters at it. Fulham were appalling when they came to us. Yeah, Fulham were worse. Yeah, exactly. And it's just as a as a product, it's it's shocking um, that 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 referees aren't doing anything about it. I mean, five minutes in the end was an absolute joke, um, and that really really pissed me off yesterday. Uh, that was what I was most angry about the game. I think. Yeah, the referee actually helped us in in some instances, but it's just our like, inability to deal with the the time wasting at the end of the game was just just shocking. Any other thoughts on that, or just? I, I think it's a, a real problem in the game. 
Um, mm. You're seeing players now head away crosses and go down holding their head. And the referees yeah. mm. having to stop the game for a head injury, which mm. is, is laughable. But again, it goes back to, you know, I had a little rant last week about the ref at Old Trafford, but they've never played the game, the, these refs. that You can tell they don't, they've not even played at any level on a, in amateur football. So, mm. you know, these pros are, are so good at exploiting every little, mm. um, you know, in between the lines of the, of, the, of, the, of the rules or as the officials will have you reminded that they're laws, not rules. Um, but, you know, in the FA Cup, they were obviously trialling this ridiculous 12, 15 minutes time added on, which I, I don't like to see personally. And I can see why the Premier League have not brought it in, um, you know, since that. But it needs looking at in the summer because it, it's becoming a real problem. And like you said, mm. Newcastle and, and uh, um, Fulham were terrible. I mean, mm. Arsenal were at it yesterday. Um, and well, Georgini, all, all... Uh, Rick's just said it. Oh. Jorginho got resurrected at 80 minutes, didn't he? I mean, he was <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, but, but unless well, unless referees are adding Jordan like twelve and, and fifteen minutes, mate, players okay. know they can get away with it. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's the problem. So I think if if referees start doing that, adding ten minutes on, eleven minutes on, twelve minutes on, then teams like Newcastle will eventually realise it's absolutely pointless killing time because you just end up mm. paying it anyway. The problem is at the moment they know that they start wasting time from the moment they're leading the game, but mm. they know they're never going to have to play the the, the full added on time which, which they're going to do so unless refs actually start doing that that's the only way around it because can, because you said I tell you, know, you... If, if players are going down holding their head or whatever there's no way ultimately a ref's going to know if he's injured or not so he's got to blow up the only way they can do it is by adding the time on eventually you know Eddie Howe will tell the players it's pointless because you're just going to play 15 minutes at the end yeah I mean the, the, the thing that cracks me up it always happens you get a goalkeeper booked at about the 89th minute for time wasting yeah. well if you book him after 15 minutes when they've, when they've scored yeah, and we're losing 1-0. Does, he doesn't do it again because he can't afford to get sent off. I'd go down that route personally, get the book yeah. out for time wasting. Can, but, I, can I tell yeah. you what? They'll never add 12 minutes on in the Premier League. It ruins, it ruins broadcasters' schedules. They're never going to do it, <laughs> which is where they get all the money from. It's funny that it happened in the World Cup when you've got back-to-back scheduling and you've mm. got wall-to-wall coverage. They can't do it on Sky, so they'll never let them do it. Mm. Do you um, think part of the reason we're so salty about it is because Leicester is so bad at doing things like that? <laughs> yeah. And when we're so we're so bad at like the kind of the dark arts. And, we're, and we're terrible and at it. Things. We're terrible at it. And and that and that's what you know is so frustrating that we are such a nice team. And you know it's it's there's so it's not just the time wasting element. There's so many bits to it. I mean, I absolutely despise players like Bruno Fernandez, but at the same time, like you know. <laughs> they've got the referees wrapped around the little finger, haven't they? And, and, and you know, we, we've spoken, I know George spoke about it so many times about the Argentinians and why he loves them and that, that housery that, that, that they have. You know, it, in, in some ways, that won them the World Cup. You know, mm. and, and Leicester as a team, you know, whether we're losing games of football because we, we can't see out a game because we're kind of mentally and, and psychologically weak or we haven't even got that, that kind of mentality within us to, you know, to say it's the housery, that, 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 that mentality to, to kind of do whatever is necessary to win a game of football. Well, you, you it's look it, at it's that so frustrating because we are just too nice, but I don't know how you solve that. Yeah, I mean, Jake, you look at that, that Sabitzer challenge last week on Fez. Nobody appealed. Nobody's mm. even around the referee. Yeah, nobody yeah. appealed. And, and Fez is, is rolling around on the floor. It's not like, it, you know, nobody realised at the time it wasn't a foul. 
Fez has gone down, rolling around, holding his knee, and not a single Leicester player no. goes to the referee. If if they'd all surrounded him like they would have done, that would have been a red card. I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah, same. Mm. Well, I was watching the League Cup final. The first five minutes, Dallow gets booked. Six Newcastle players all round the referee. And I know they're like everyone goes there a pain in the ass, but I, I do think it's what I hoped sort of Christiansen would would bring to the side. And maybe he's a bit young. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that indeed he was made captain yesterday because I, I just don't think he's a captain. I think there are other people's in the people in the side that could be. But yeah, I think it's my, my biggest criticism of Rogers. He's sometimes trying to be too nice and too classy to everyone and be everyone's mate and I just wish he'd just be a horrible bastard sometimes which he he just doesn't do Rick you've just said exactly what I was going to say mate Um, (laughs) I feel like you know they're a caricature of Rogers who never loses his temper really he's said a few choice words about diabolical refereeing performances but still he won't go to town on it and I know you in some ways, you you can say, well, fair enough, because, you know, there's the likes of Klopp and a few other managers that really go the other way, and you just like, shut up. But, you know, from time to time, you would just like Rodgers to just have that edge, and hopefully that rubs off on his players. Um, because, as you say, the likes of Christiansen, he looks like the sort of player who hates losing, will be more than happy to get, you know, do a little sly kick or I, even though that would get you sent off. But, you know, do something that will just really start to uh, turn the screw. And Rogers needs to start asking them to do that a bit more. Yeah, um, but, that, but Rick, that's a problem that we're, we're seeing with Chelsea at the moment as well with, with Graham Potter. You know, you, you talk about yeah. the, the, the managers and the players and the team being a reflection of the manager. Yeah. I, I've mentioned this before, but I remember saying it on um, BBC Leicester to, to Pipes and he disagreed with me. I'm, I'm saying that Leicester are a reflection of the manager. You know, Brendan Rodgers, whether we start slow at, at, at halves of football or, you know, the, the way we, we kind of carry ourselves on the football pitch, it's because he never gives them two barrels. You know, don't get me wrong, he, he clearly gets pissed off and, and says so, but it clearly doesn't resonate with the players. It clearly doesn't get a reaction out of the players. And you look at a Liverpool team, you look at a, a Spurs team, you know, the housery involved in, in the way that they play. It's because they're a reflection of the manager. And, and Graham Potter, as a man at the moment, is too nice. And you look at that Chelsea team... Mm. And they lack personalities and they lack character. And, and that's why, I mean, I know it's kind of a, a different scale because, you know, we're not at the same level you know, financially, etc. Mm. You know, our ambitions aren't the same as Chelsea's. But there's many similarities between the two, for sure. It's going to be a very polite game in two weeks, isn't it? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, we've managed to squeeze th- 34 minutes worth of discussion about the Arsenal game, which I didn't think we would get. But, Jake, you're going to leave us in a minute and get back to your Diet Coke or whatever you're drinking. <laughs> yes, lads, I'm, I'm going to pop off and head back into the bar and, and watch Newcastle lose this final, which is great. Um, well done for, for sorting out the pod. I'll catch you boys next week when I'm back in the UK. All right, mate. Speak soon. Good day, lads. Speak soon, mate. Yeah, mate. Um, good stuff. There, there were a couple of things I did, did want to talk about about the game yesterday uh, that weren't directly related to the game, one of which uh, was related to the intro music, which I will get to in a bit. But Graham, it's uh, been a big couple of weeks for Fox's pride, I believe. Um, and yeah. there was um, it was the football versus homophobia fixture yesterday. Um, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to ask, you know, what, what Fox's pride have been up to and what you got up to yesterday. Yeah, so um, obviously uh, February is LGBT History Month and that um, coincides with 
um, the football versus homophobia, maybe the other way around, the football versus homophobia campaign uh, is March in February. Um, uh, homophobia, uh, LGBT phobia, transphobia is still a huge problem in, in football, uh, whether that's on the terraces, whether you're playing at the grassroots level, um, whether that uh, and, and uh, exemplified by the fact that within the men's game, not the women's game, but within the men's game, um, there's so few out professional players. Um, and so Fox's pride exists to kind of um, work with Leicester City to kind of combat LGBT phobia around um, the football, uh, but also to create that a safe space for the LGBTQ fan um, to kind of take part and, and be a fan of Leicester City uh, as well. Um, so in the last few weeks, um, building on the work we've done over the last few years, um, a couple of weeks ago, we um, went to go and meet the first team squad at Seagrave, uh, which was great. The whole, the whole squad was there, um, including those that were given the morning off. So I thought that, that was really nice. Um, and we got the chance to talk to them about the importance um, of the role that they play in being an ally. You know, um, it, it doesn't make you gay to stand up for LGBT people, um, as we said to them. And actually, the fact that they can, with their profile, um, whether that's just wearing um, a supportive shirt on, the, on on their message and that kind of stuff, anything they can do um, to show support, we said would be great. So um, we shared that with them. And then Leicester City have, for the past three or four years, dedicated a fixture to football versus homophobia every February. Um, and they chose the Arsenal one um, this year. And they just kind of put a little bit of communication uh, around around the game. So before the game, we had a stall in the fan store, gave out over 2,000 um, bits of uh, like badges and pens and little guides as to how you can contact LGBT phobia while you're in the ground and what you can do about it if you hear it. Because um, the most important thing is that if you hear it, you do something about it. You don't just sit on your on, on your seat. Um, so that that was great. Uh, we got a photo pitch side with the players. Some of us were lucky enough to be able to do that. Um, and then after the game, Leicester City held a reception for us and some of the gay gooners, which is the Arsenal LGBTQ fan group. And, and the, the whole aim um, around it is to kind of push the message out there that the LGBTQ fan is welcome at Leicester City. Uh, still got loads to do and um, there's still a lot of work to do to make sure that um that that, that homophobia is is eradicated from the game at all levels um but you know it's just leicester city's way in working with us to show that they're committed to improving the experience and making sure people feel safe so yeah very um very positive summary there yeah great summary and great to hear and would i guess one of the things in uh, funny if I was having a conversation at work about this uh, a couple of weeks ago and and hearing about what other football clubs do because it's something that I'm involved in at work. It seems like Leicester are more involved than other clubs. Is that a fair summary or are more advanced in terms of how they're how they're working with um, with you guys and um, and things like that? Yeah, I mean Leicester obviously are really involved. Last year, um, both Leicester City and Foxes Pride. Uh, won the Football versus Homophobia Award for what they've done. So Leicester won the Professional Game Award and Fox's Pride won the, the Fan Group Award, which was great. Um, Leicester do do a lot. Um, we, we've worked really hard to get that. I have to say the reason that Fox's Pride were formed in the first place um, was because back in 2014, Leicester City were the only Premier League club that didn't take part in Rainbow Laces. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And so uh, that's the okay. so. So if you know um, Jim, the support liaison officer at Leicester City, he um, he put up with me having a proper rant on the phone at him for about two hours 
because he because he wasn't and um, he it's pulled the people me running at him though, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, but I, I was very nice about it. Um, but I was also quite annoyed that Leicester weren't doing it, and so. Yeah. Um, he got myself and Gareth, my co-founder, together and he said, right, if you're that bothered, do something about it. Um, and that's how Fox's Pride started. And that's, that's down to Jim. So we're all very well, welcome into Very great. And he was there last night as well. Um, and uh, he sent some very nice messages last night as well because he's very, he's very proud of the fact uh, that we exist and, and what we do. So that's really nice. Great stuff. And if people want to get involved, what's the best way of doing this? Uh, so if you want to join Fox's Pride, uh, it's open to allies as well as LGBTQ fans um, of Leicester City. I think the fan of Leicester City is the kind of the common uh, criteria for, 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 for membership. Um, you can, if you just go to our social media the, or our website, there's a link there to join. Uh, just search for Fox's Pride. It's at Fox's Pride on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook or www.foxespride.co.uk. Um, yeah, so that's how you can join. And then we, we do socials most after, around most games. Uh, got a quiz night coming up later this year. You'd be very welcome to enter a team. Um, and yeah, so we'll just look forward to um, yeah any, anything people can do. But really, the mo- the best thing people can do to get involved is learn what it means to be an ally. Call out homophobic abuse if you hear it. Um, and tell a steward, tell someone else, use the text number that you can do. Because until we don't have it at the stadium, um, uh, we're not going to stop. Good stuff. Um, the quiz night really piques my interest, mainly because, um, obviously, as you know, we play Who Are You every week, but mm. I feel there could be a really nice uh, Big Strong Leicester Boys, Fox's, uh, Fox's Pride, um, whole round of Who Are You's. Uh, and um, I'm sure me, Rick and Jordan would um, come and host if you needed us to. Not that you uh, you'd, be very, very well, you'd be very welcome. Short of putting a team in, we could just take over the quiz as we normally do. But, um, but that's... That'll make less work for me, so I'm fine with that. Well, yeah, I'm I'm very happy to host around if you want us to. Um, great stuff. Really good to hear that, Graham. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for for coming on. Um, Jordan, um, uh, the pe- people might be a little bit confused by the intro intro uh, music was, which was it's all gone quiet over there. But um, I wanted to get your take on yesterday because I didn't actually realise this when I was at the game. But there was uh, some form of protest. Now, the reason I might not have noticed uh, the reason uh, that there was a protest was that it was a silent protest. Um, but uh, the the singing section uh, in the corner, all that way over there, um, wasn't quite as noisy and as colourful uh, as it might have been. Um, so I wondered whether you might be able to give us a bit of context as to that and maybe share some thoughts on that. Yeah, so I mean, as far as I know, I'm I'm down in the uh, the singing section now. Not actually, not actually a formal member, I guess, of UF, UFS. But my friends, uh, quite a lot of my friends, are in in the group. So it it was a silent protest. Obviously, the flags um, were weren't out either. Like you say, it was a bit less colourful. Um, it was related to do with two of, or as far as I'm aware, two of the members received a ban of. Um, three games and a season, respectively. Um, from my vantage point against Tottenham, it didn't seem like they did an awful lot wrong. Um, and I, I think the frustration from the group, or, or how I perceive it anyway, is you know they've got a singing section, um, and it seems to be policed more, more, or you know more stewards or more heavily policed than the actual away end, which I just find a bit odd. I mean. You know, you know, when you kind of grunt a singing section at the King Power Stadium, I'm pretty sure you kind of know what you're 
you're going to sign up for. So that's how I saw it. I mean, in terms of a silent protest, the game was absolutely terrible anyway. So <laughs> I don't think we had we would have had a lot to sing about in the first place, to be honest. Um, but that's how I see it. And also, I don't know, you know, obviously the lads in L1, K1, um, or lads and lasses, I should say, in, in L1 and K1, I don't know if they can hear us over that side. I know where you sit, Jack. I don't know if you can you can hear it. And I think, you know, the group do a lot of good stuff, obviously the food bank and try and get the atmosphere or like-minded people in, in the ground to try and get a bit of atmosphere because I think it's fair to say, especially this season, it's or last couple of seasons, it's been pretty poor. But there are people dotted about all over the ground. Um, and it'd be nice for me if they just got all the people who want to make a bit of a racket in the same place because... You know, we, we know when that ground is um, rocking, it is pretty loud. Um, and, you know, we can cause earthquakes uh, <laughs> when when a Joe has scored. So that's how, that's mm. how I saw it. I mean, obviously, we need to probably get some some of UF, UNFS on. Um, I mean, obviously, Graham works with you know Jim, like you say, he's a bit of a sounding board. I think for most fans, I think he gets a lot of. Um, I think he gets put in a bit very difficult position. I think, and he does a good job. Mm. So. It's obviously difficult, you know, working with the the club on this one. I think for Union FS, but you know, we, we we want the atmosphere to be better in the stadium. I think that that's basically all the group really want. So um, I think the frustration when they're banning their own fans for, for things that de- didn't seem that or seem pretty minor, as far as I was concerned, from what I saw, um, I think that's where the frustration came from. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you, Jordan. From the bits I know of Union FS, I think what they're doing is is brilliant because our atmosphere is pretty tepid, isn't it? And I think that's being kind. It was brilliant the years of when we won the league, when we stayed up the year before. It took care of itself, but you can't just assume that that's always going to be the case because the years after that, we've seen it get progressively worse. You know, they are passionate. And, you know, I read so much stuff on Fox's talk from from certain people that just take any opportunity to have a pop at Union FS. Now, they'll then claim it's because Union FS are a little bit secretive themselves and a bit sort of closed and not, you know, don't keep other fans in the loop, even moaning about some of the songs they sing. But, you know, and yes, maybe Union FS, if they try and encourage others to join, but I'm sure they're trying to do that anyway. Um, I just, yeah, it, it sounds to me like once again, stewards probably being overzealous, as I think when you just said. And you know, I, stewards come up and tell people to sit down. They're standing up themselves. You know, <laughs> what? A, I think they should they should come up on like a Stena stairlift or or have one of them little fishing <laughs> stools. At least then, if they're sat down, so sit down. They'd hold a bit more clout. So you'd be like, yeah, fair enough. Mm. They're just ridiculous. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I think the Union FS boys need a bit of support because without them it goes back to mm. no singing and that's not mm. right i think i it, think uh, with you sorry um just to, to i think you know with union fs my kind of only sort of complaint is that with with english football it's not the same as you know it's not for dane at napoli or the barra bravas down at Boca. it's a different culture you've got a millionaire owner you know billionaire well, billionaire owner, yeah. These, these, you know, for what they describe themselves as ultras uh, abroad, they pretty mm. much run the club and 
there's a lot of dodgy things going on in those groups. So it's kind of self-styled on that. And also English football, I think that there needs to something happen in the game to get the atmosphere going. Um, you know, the Palace Holmesdale end is very similar. And uh, the kind of slow European songs suit European football, whereas the Premier League is mm. a lot more uh, high tempo. So I think that's where the atmosphere comes from a lot mm. of the time. Um, but look, they're, they're not, you know, they're not bad guys and they just want a good atmosphere. They're not causing trouble. They're yeah. not, you know, out trying to scrap people <clears throat> and stuff like that. They're just trying to get yeah. an atmosphere going. So it, 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 it is a bit frustrating, to be honest. I think that's right. I think, I think the, the, the thing is with the way Leicester City work, a way is that obviously if people get banned, that they don't publicise it and don't say why. And I get why they do that. Um, but obviously, because I know, for example, that there have been people banned for homophobic abuse and things like that, but obviously they never talk about it or share it. So obviously we, we don't know why yeah. those two people were banned. We don't know if it was in the stadium or on the way out. We, we don't know. Um, so, you know, that, that's just um, sort of my nature to try and be quite balanced. But I, I think... I think ultimately you're right. Anyone that wants to make the atmosphere better should be applauded and encouraged. Um, I, I'm not sure a silent protest is the way I'd have gone about it um, personally, but I, I think because that, that kind of defeats their own aim. Um, and I, that's, I don't necessarily think that, but obviously I don't understand the bigger picture around it. But I, I know that we don't know what we don't know the full story around it, do we? Which is which makes it harder to comment on. Yeah, and I also I also don't know whether like Rick said, whether the communication could be a bit more open. Um, this is why we're doing it. But at the same time, then you kind of don't want to, I guess you can't name the members or why they were banned, mm. what they were banned for. So it is it is a bit of a difficult one. It's just, you know, you don't want any, um, well, if, if indeed they were banned for what, I mean, I don't know what, what happened. It just, from where I was, it seemed like nothing huge happened. Um, but obviously, you know, you, you kind of don't want your, your own fans getting banned for, for mm. relatively minor things. So yeah, it's just a, it's just a really difficult one. Maybe the communication could have been better, but um, I don't know if it was. It was actually referenced on Match of the Day by Jonathan Pierce, and he's not heard Leicester fans so quiet. So I don't know if that was in relation to that, or it was just um, <laughs> who were playing so badly and the atmosphere was terrible. Mm. It was very quiet, and I think um, mm. I think we'd all agree we want the stadium nice and noisy. And I think you're, mm. um, I think you're right. It's easier when we're playing good football, but I, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of of what's gone on with those uh, that corner, jo Jordan. You've got much better insight than me, but um, it, it's almost like watching, you know, watching your parents fight. I just hope they all sort yeah. it out like adults eventually. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right about that. I, I, yeah. I sit just in front of the singing section. Um, so um, I, I, sit, I sit in SK1 row K, so I'm kind of just about a few rows in front, you know, and, and there's definitely some good noise that comes out of it. Um, and so I, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a very vocal fan, so um, it's half me. And that doesn't mean I don't support the team, but I just, I'm not very good at being loud and shouty and, and singing. <laughs> um... I, I I was looking at Jordan there. Rick, you've changed venues and that's very disconcerting. Don't do that again. Uh, I was looking at Jordan then because he is quite a noisy fan uh, and um, does like the sound of his own voice and so does Rick. Uh, I'm not sure I can really say the same for me, uh, but there we go. But anyway, right. Thanks for your takes on that. Um, it's always, we always run over time, don't we? Um, so next thing on the agenda uh, before you get attacked by a cat, Rick, uh, should we play a game of Who Are You? Let's do it.
who is your daddy yes, and what it. does he do? Who is your daddy uh, and what does he do? Who is your daddy? <laughs> That's all I've got. I haven't actually got the whole uh, the whole reel. Um, uh, yeah, that was as much as I can do. Unfortunately, with that, Jake, here, you've not got as good as presenting and you haven't got the who are you, uh, who are you loop. But there we go. Right. I think, I think some may say it's fortunate we've not got the who are you loop after Jake left it on. I think, it's yeah, there is, been, I think I've worked out how he's done that as well because there is a button that says loop and he's obviously faded it out but not turned it off. Um, <laughs> so it is entirely his fault for doing that. But there we go. Right. Uh, it's me this week, uh, mainly because no one else volunteered uh, and I've won the last three or four. I don't know. I've not, I've not lost in a while. So I feel like it's, uh, it's my turn. And Graham, you have played before because you told me you've got Bruno Berner before this. Yeah, I was, very, I was very pleased with that. I got it quite quickly Good. as well. So. Someone okay. else on that team would be great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm 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 going to copy Rick's style of doing this, which was quite authoritarian and didn't really give us any clues. Um, it's not a right winger. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say he's a defender. Ricky Schimmerker. No, it's not. He was actually a midfielder, if you remember, for us as well, George. So, well, that that's what I was thinking. So you, you said yeah. I'm going to say it's a defender. So. And the real, I'll, oh, I'll give you a little bit more of a cue. I, I, I probably say he naturally was a right back, but I think I saw him play right back, centre back, and left back. So he was quite a versatile defender for us. Timmy Castagna. <laughs> no, I, we've not had a player that's playing for us. That would be a real curveball, yeah. wouldn't it? Uh, do you want another clue? Do you want another yeah, guest? Uh, he was born on the 13th of September, 1978. He's 44. Good Same maths. Same age as me. Good maths. I always enjoy that when you say the year and someone says how old he is because <laughs> it shows that we are literate and numerate on this podcast. <coughs> any, any guesses? <coughs> Gary Rowett. No. Not the worst shout. Didn't see him play left oh, no, back, he'll be, back for us. He'll be older than that as well, won't he? I bet be he's a little older bit older than that. Yeah. Gary, Gary Rowe's got one of the deepest voices you've ever heard, and you don't expect it. It's it's really disconcerting. Really? Yeah, I've sat. Mm. He sat behind me at the football before, and he's it's like he he's almost like Sean Dyche in his you know delivery. <laughs> it's very disconcerting. Um, what, okay, what happened to Gary Rowe? Because he had a few managerial jobs back to back, and then he's just disappeared. He's at Millwall. Uh, is he? Yeah. Yeah, of course, of course he is with a voice like that. Um, <laughs> Doing well as well, aren't they, Millwall? Yeah. Uh, flying. Horrible team, Millwall. Oh, yeah. Horrible team. I don't... Uh, can you imagine if they come up? Oh, yeah, brilliant, wasn't it? I took my wife on a first... I took my wife on a first <laughs> date to Millwall away. She'd never been the football either. That was 1-0 Steve Howard. What... At least she knew what she was signing herself up for, Rick. That's all I've got to say on that. She's um, never been against him. Uh, right. Although I took my wife to West Ham away early on. She had a Bovril for a first time. Bearing in mind, she's oh. from Australia. Loved it. Um, so there we go. Although she doesn't like going to the football anymore. Uh, right. Uh, finished his career at Rochester Rhinos, interestingly enough. When, uh, which, is, the... which is Jamie Vardy's team. Oh, yeah. Well, they've now been reconceived as like the Rochester 
something, somebody or other. For a minute, I thought he'd finish his career in rugby league. Um, uh, <laughs> rugby league, you say? In a fine oh, oh. again. <laughs> for that um right okay uh i'm not giving you many clues here i'm, I'm getting nothing what, what nothing from anything he played, for, yeah, he played yeah, for us cool. right okay i'm gonna give you a few more clues right <clears throat> played for us in 2005 to 2008 initially joining us on loan for uh played 10 games on loan for us then he joined Darren us i was about to say oh rick that's it is that it, it. Yeah. 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 oh my god <laughs> Very good. Oh, that's annoying. I was about to say him. That is very... I think Rick's still undefeated on this. Pretty much. That's that is, hurt. That is hurt. That is excellent work. Excellent work. Uh, well done, Rick. Excellent. You, you are still much. undefeated. Um, Means a lot. Very, very impressive. <laughs> uh, right. And uh, we... Now we're going to have to have an on-air um, on-air production meeting, but uh, we've got some questions, and there are some good questions, and I think we should ask them, and then we'll do a bit Blackburn. Let's do it, uh, and then we'll call it a day. Right? Okay. So, uh, first question. Uh, I think this is from from you, Rick. There's a bit of a thread on this, uh, but uh, sub- subsequently after um, after the podcast last week, which by the way, my dad phoned me and listened to and said, Rick Flair is genuinely hilarious. The egging <laughs> story is one of the best stories he's ever heard. Uh, we've got a question from Matty Williams- uh, Williamson saying, when egging, do you prefer free range eggs or normal? <laughs> to me, is that a question to me? It is a question to you. Um, uh, I know Jordan, Jordan has been involved in egging previously. So, um, so yeah, he, he can, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, Graham, I wouldn't like to cast aspersions on your character, but I don't know whether you've been involved in egging at all. I'm only with an ostrich egg, we're fine. Oh, oh Ooh, yeah, that'd hurt. That would. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, I've got to tread carefully here because the temptation would be to go with a, you know, a, a, a caged hen egg because you get more bang for your buck. But it's obviously <laughs> very, very cruel. But I did joke. <laughs> I did joke in our um, WhatsApp group in the week, and it isn't a joke. One one year, we thought it'd be funny to get scotch egging. So we bought like the cricket ball sauce scotch eggs, and we were launching them about, which was uh, quite a lot of fun, because there was obviously bits of sausage meat just splattered about, which were, uh, stumped <laughs> a few people when they were wondering why they just had a, 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 a sausage meat smeared up their window. But, you know, you just got to mix it up a bit, haven't you? It's... It's a right, it's a passage egging, um, and it's a real shame that I don't think it happens as much anymore. But no, I suppose I'd go with a free-ranged egg. But um, yeah, you might get you're more likely to get a double yoker with a free-range egg, aren't you? And, you know, that, that's as, as um, that'd be unbelievable. Get one of them round the back of your head. Um, it, you, you've had no one step forward since last week uh, saying it was them that egged you uh, in Parsons Green. Yeah. I've not heard anything, but you know that that would be something, wouldn't it? it? It really would be if if we can go back to whenever it was, 2014, Parsons Green, who was egging <laughs> Valentine's Day. Have you, ever heard, have you ever heard? Um, there's that uh, someone wrote on the Fulham uh, Facebook page when someone threw a pie at them after they bought their new shirt and said it wasn't very Fulhamish behaviour. Um, <laughs> pro- probably the same same bloke who threw the egg, I imagine, in, in those. Was nights. it? Um, was it cottage pie thing at Fulham? 
Very, very good. Very group. good. Very sorry, good. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, I like that. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, good stuff. Uh, the only the, the, there's a bit of a theme on the questions, and of course we've we've lost a couple of games, so his his future's coming up. But there's a there's a question about Potter uh, being a candidate to replace him when he inevitably gets sacked. Um, but um, I'm uh, Jordan shaking his head, Graham shaking his head. Rick, I know you you. Part of the reason we got you on was to offer some balance from the from the Rogers Inn Club. Uh, I know you won't appoint uh, Graham Potter, but uh, no. I, do you know what? I, I'll I'll kick off this one because I I've I've stood by Rogers all season. Uh, mostly, I had a few wobbles, um, and I think the club have made the right decision to stand by him. But what I would say is, I think it's a big month this month for him, um, and I think. He's got nothing to moan about anymore because he's been given his shiny new toys. He didn't get Jack Harrison, but as as Rick knows, I don't think that's a huge shame. Um, but I think I think he's he's not got too many excuses. And I was quite impressed. Uh, he, he, Rogers has a uh, has an amazing power to piss off the entire fan base by one <laughs> post match comment, doesn't he? he? Says the slightest of things, and everyone goes apeshit over it. But actually, I thought he was very balanced yesterday. He said we weren't good enough. And said so we're not at that le- at that level, and and you know I, I think he got it wrong yesterday uh, in terms of his tactics, but he's struggling to find the r- the right balance. But what um, I think it's a long way of saying I'm I think the next few games will be quite telling for him, and um, you know I think most people have, have most people have stuck by him, bar bar a few. I think probably you know it's it's ebbed and flowed a little bit, but it's it's a big month for him. Rick, I'll start with you. What, what's your thoughts on that? On Rogers, yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I've flip flopped on Rogers. Um, I've probably been more Rogers out in the last year than I have Rogers in. But I think I, I, you do, you Jordan and Jake to a certain extent do make some compelling arguments for why we should have stuck with him and have done. And I, I can, I can stomach that. Um, you know, I, there's a lot that Brendan Rodgers does and still does that that I do uh, respect. You know, there's no other manager in the modern era at this level that has enabled us to go out and score four or more goals in a game. You know, we must be 20, 30 times now in four years across Premier League, Europe and, and some of the domestic cups. Yeah, I bet it's, it's in excess of 30 times, which, you know, you can't deny that that's then boring football. There is then when we toil with the laborious, slow football. Um, but, you know, he doesn't want to play that. Uh, you know, I, I've at times labelled that he that's his way of trying to control a game, but surely not. I think with Rodgers, I, I do think it's the beginning of the end for him and has been because it's just the way of the world now. Modern managers don't stay at clubs for more than four years. Jurgen Klopp's struggling now because, yes, you go and replace players and that's what you need to do. But there's an air, there's an air of those that still stay, switch off to what are being told. And Brendan Rogers will be a deeply irritating man to listen to for four or more years. He just will. He will. He w- honestly, uh, he's, he's moved on. He's, he's better than he was when he was at Liverpool because you watch that documentary and on it is some of the stuff he said was beggar's belief. And I don't think he's like that anymore. I think he is more, calm and considered and chilled out, don't come out with the sound bites. But mm. I suspect if you work for someone for that amount of time, 
it's the marginal gains in elite professional football. And I do think that's possibly what the difference is. That said, the players have never really switched off in the sense that they've thrown him under the bus, like they perhaps mm. did with Ranieri and some of the other managers. They do seem to still support him. Mm. So in that regard, I can get on board with him being still the, the manager to go with us. But he's got to back it up. He didn't get back last summer. And, you know, you, you, can't, you can't keep him and not back him. They kept him. They've now backed him within mm. reason. We've, we've got to waste the next couple of transfer windows. If he stays, he's got to deliver. You know, that's got to be mm. minimum top 10 each season, I think. But the next month, as Jack says, is, is crucial because we are still hovering around there. It's tight. Jordan mm. is unwavering in his, um, you know, in his belief we won't get embroiled and be at risk. And I, I admire that. And I hope you're right. And you probably are right. But I just do worry as well. Mm. None of us will have ever thought that we would have um, capitulated for top four in 1920 mm. and 2021, and we did both times. So saying we won't go down, we won't go down. We won't, I hope, but if there's mm. one thing that I've learned is under Brenda Rogers down the stretch in high-pressure periods, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm, I don't gamble anymore, thankfully, but uh, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't be putting any money on it. <laughs> What about you, Graham? Where are you standing? Uh, well, I'm, 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 I'm back in Brendan. I thought that, uh, someone mentioned the John Percy article earlier. I can't remember who, but I thought it was me. I think, about, yeah. uh, but reading about the, um, reading about the kind of the plans for summer and Rogers still very much being part of those plans and how how now that with a new head of recruitment, there's a there's a way that 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 kind of might move forward, um, and uh, and and that. So I, I, I think. I think if we stay up, I suspect he will be staying um, based on that article because John Percy normally gets the vibes right about Leicester, doesn't he? Um, so I, I suspect he'll still be with us. Um, I, I, I do rate Brendan Rodgers. You know, he's given us some, some great memories. Um, and actually the whole point, um, without wishing to sound like kind of holier than now, is you, you back a team through the thick and the thin. Um, and I think sometimes, again, we're, maybe we scapegoat Danny War, maybe we scapegoat Brendan Rodgers, like you say, he's got his toys now. He's got his, he's got the signings he wanted. He, he hasn't got the excuses. He hasn't made them the last few, last couple of games. And um, and yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that three-hour drive back from Southampton on Saturday. <laughs> um, so it, it, it all has to start. It has to start on Saturday. Um, uh, it has to. We have to get through the quarterfinal on Tuesday. Um, and actually, but if you look at our home games between now and the end of the season. You'd have to say there's a lot of winnable games there, um, and I think I think Tete will play better against. Sorry, I'm going off the point, but I, I, I think Tete will play better against teams that are trying to defend and sit back, um, which obviously wasn't the case with Arsenal or, um, or Spurs as much, and or Man United, um, and we've ticked off a lot of the big six already. So, um, yes, yeah, so I, I I think I, I do think we'll stay up. Uh, I think Brendan will stay, and hopefully once we've sort of the squad out of it in the summer and um, there'll be some sensible recruitment and next year we'll be back to what, what we'd like to see. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Graham. Obviously, I um, am probably going to come on and defend Brendan, but to be honest, I'm, I'm just so bored of in or Rogers in or Rogers out. He's not going anywhere, certainly not going anywhere this season. Um, there was a time where, I, you know, after Tottenham where I wobbled a little bit there was a time where I thought he might walk away in the summer because of the, the, the stick that he was getting. But 
you know, the only way I think we'll be in a relegation battle is if Madison and his and his knee injury keeps him out for more games than he plays towards the mm-hmm. end of the season, which I, I don't think will happen. We're no. three points above the bottom three, but you know, looking at some that, of them, the goal difference. Yeah, exactly what I was about to say. And look at some of those sides. Um, we've scored twice as many as most of them. Um, Forest and Palace are three points above us. They're both garbage. We're better than both of those sides. Um, mm. Bizarrely, Villa are on the same points as Chelsea. But um, yeah, I think, you know, this season has obviously hasn't been great, but it's been a hugely transitional season. And, you know, that John per- Percy article did mention about Casper not being a unanimously popular captain in the dressing room now. That's something that was a surprise to me, but mm. Rogers Rogers has had to deal with um, a very difficult player. Quite clearly, and decided to move him on. Um, Soyuncu, who um, was excellent for a time, you know, Rick mentioned the, the the collapse in the Champions League. Well, he almost single-handedly cost us the game at Bournemouth um, and arguably Champions League that season. So he's trying to move him on. Um, Pratt is always injured and he's out of contract. Um, so he, he'll move on. And he's got the three players in this window, but you know we are going to have to get in probably six or seven in the summer. And I think Brendan's certainly the man to do that. Um, he's, you know, I mean, the recruitment at the club by and large is pretty good, but he is still a a, a good name to work work for. Um, and hopefully he gets gets the rebuild he wants in the summer and then we, we push back on into to the top 10, top eight uh, in European football. Because, yeah, like you say, Graham, he... Um, he mm. seems like he's still got the stomach for the fight and he, he's still up for it and he wants to rebuild the team. And, and you know, a lot of the players that we do have have come um, or had been at the club for quite a, a long time before mm. before Rogers was here. So he can kind of put his own his own stamp on it. So, yeah, it, it does just bore me, this Rogers in or out. Would you take Potter? No. Can we, you know, can we, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't. If Rick, just, if Rick was no. still with us, he would also yeah. be saying no because he does not rate Graham Potter. I don't quite know where he's gone, but, but, but uh, maybe because we, we talked know, about him, he's left in disgust. But can we just, yes, yeah, so I mean, can we just bury all this speculation about the manager and just get on with it? He's not going anywhere, certainly not to be lovely, season, wouldn't it? Anyway. But as soon, as soon as we lose a game, it's like the questions start again and we have to, yeah, we have to raise it again. And I, I, I'm with you, I find it really boring. I and it's as soon as we lose to it's as soon as we lose one nil to the team that's top of the league. It's like <laughs> yeah. uh, you know that's it, uh, fine. If 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 we lose five nil to Southampton on Saturday, maybe I get it. Yeah. We're not going to do that. But we've lost one nil to Arsenal. It's not, and you know we lost three nil to Man to Man United in a team in a game with a ref, and and we played really well for forty five minutes. It's like it just oh, it does my head in. Can't can't yeah. deal with it. Although I have just Googled Gary Rowett, who's been at Millwall for four years, so it shows how much attention I pay to the championship these days. But, <laughs> you know, get, get, get Gary Rowett in, if not. Get Big Nige back. <laughs> did, you, did you see Big Nige dancing yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Everyone saw that. It's gone down well. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, can't, I saw Matty James in an interview the other day, and I was like, I can't believe he's still playing football. Because he was so injury prone, but apparently he's been class for them. So um, he's their captain, see. isn't he? Is he? Shows he, he, was, he, was, he was. He was captain yesterday. No, oh, I, 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 I love Nigel Pearson. He's, he's my favourite of a Leicester manager. So. Um, we have tried several times to get him on the podcast, but he's he's not biting. Sadly, he's got better things to be doing. But we will get him on one day. 
we will get him on one day. Um, good stuff. Uh, Rick's Wi-Fi has gone, so he may or may not be with us. But uh, the, the final thing we were going to talk about was Blackburn, a small matter of that. It's the fifth round on Tuesday, isn't it? It's the, it's the one before the quarterfinals, um, which is a big game. Uh, thoughts ahead of that? Team selection, score prediction? Go on, Graham. You go first. Okay, so uh, team selection needs to be as strong as possible. Um, I watched... Um, I watched the Blackburn QPR highlights um, this morning because I was just curious. Um, Blackburn can attack, um, so we need we need to be kind of strong defensively. Um, they also look pretty robust at the back, if I'm honest. Although they were playing QPR in a shocking run, um, so yes, yeah, so I, I think I, I don't think it'll be straightforward. So I think the team selection needs to be as strong as possible. But if we can't beat a championship team at home, um, I think you know th- th- there's a problem. Uh, maybe I'll put Rogers out at the end of it. Um, and then the oh, that's a joke. I definitely won't be. Um, and then I guess uh, I guess yeah. And, and the weekend just more of the same. We've just got to go all out on the next two games. I, I think as hard as we can. And I, I think we'll get through the. I think we'll get through the through the quarterfinal. Yeah, I mean, again, at the risk of uh, of agreeing with Graham, like I always agree. With Sorry, Graham. no, absolutely agree. Like we've got to go full strength. Um, I just did a shameless Google of Blackburn. Um, I knew they were doing well. Uh, it looks like they've not lost for eight or nine either. So yeah, it'd be a tough game. Mm. But look, you... but, but they only win or lose, don't they? Yeah, they've lost thirteen. They don't draw. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, the one seventeen lost thirteen, and they're fourth. I have a feeling they're missing a couple of players, so I don't think they've got a striker at the moment or whoever. Uh, Bereton Diaz. Bereton Diaz formerly known as Ben Bereton, that came from Forest, that's now Chilean, uh, is injured, I believe. And so is Bradley Dack, uh, him of... Uh, he used to go out with someone from The Only Way is Essex or something, I think. And I think I they're, still, they're still They're still going out. Yeah, he looks like he's on The Only Way. So apparently, he's quite a good player. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think either of them will be playing, which, which should help us. Not that I'm that fussed about them. Do you know what? I wouldn't go as strong as possible because... Uh, Yuri, did anyone see Yuri's ankle on Saturday? I... I do wonder whether Yuri might have played his last game of the club after seeing that because that looked yeah. horrible. Really? Um, uh, and I, I can oh, so we, um, we saw him kind of leaving the stadium on crutches um, yeah. for, from, where, from where we were after the game. And he had a boot on. Yeah, which uh, I'm, I've actually got like fairly good insight into ankle injuries because when I'm between the ages of about 18 and 22 I did my ankles about seven times or something and ended up in hospital with all of them so uh they will put a boot on him immediately but if it's a bad sprain that's worse than a break and that could be four five six months potentially so uh we'll see how he is on that but that looks sickening um so more, so, more good injury news well yeah and we do tend to pick them up in clusters so Castagna, I, I'd, I'd love to see Ricardo play. Um, Christianson, Christian, I can't even say his name. You know what I mean, Victor. Uh, I would play him. Um, Suter is another one. He's obviously come back from quite a major injury recently, so we need to be careful with him. Um, but I, And I do worry about Barnes getting an injury because he has played every week this season. But I'd definitely play Tete. I'd definitely play Acho. Uh, Madison obviously didn't play on Saturday, so it should be nice and fresh. I'm surprised Madison. It's uh, I, I'm shamelessly going to steal this from LTFC shit posting, but Newcastle are two 0 down. They've not brought Madison on, which is unbelievable in the league. 
um which which is a real shame to see them suffering uh despite invading london as they did lovely bunch of them um so yeah uh i i would I'd, I'd probably make a few changes i think he will probably go as strong as possible because he knows how important it is um mm. and it hopefully should get us in a decent bit of form uh before the southampton game as this, as we said it's a it's a big game so so yeah i'm 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 hopeful i think you know rogers has been seemingly gets no credit whatsoever for um for being quite good at getting through uh banana skin games in cups gets no credit for that from from anyone because he just should do that that's his job um whereas you know Unai Emery and Forrest and everyone else get knocked out so um so yeah hopefully uh hopefully we get through uh and then we're one game away from Wembley which would be fantastic so there we go um any final thoughts? I'll leave this section to any other business before we go, or are we all done? George, have you got anything else? Any shout-outs you want to do? I have no other business today. Which is rare from you, because this is yeah. normally your section. Um, but yeah, Graham, thank you very, very much for joining us. Um, great to have you on. Great to great to hear about Fox's Bride and the work they do. Keep up the good work, uh, and thanks for sharing how we can all get involved. George's got some many other business. I, I do have one other business um well done to jack holmes today who was our stand-in presenter without jake watson mm. i had a little joke which is not very good but we didn't have a watson but we did have a holmes oh, so that's the, nice. duo, the duo will be back next week but yeah very well done jack in your first thanks. ever presenting role thanks mate i uh i'm not sure i'll volunteer to do it again well i will volunteer to do i'll post it jake's definitely do it because i think jake I think Jake could do more with the sound effects as we go through. That's going to be something I'm really going to carve out as my niche. But um, I mean, considering it is his profession, Jake is pretty good at presenting. So I'll be pleased to have him back next week. Um, so there we go. Good stuff. Should we leave it there? Hopefully see you in round six of the FA Cup. Nice one. We'll see you soon, boys. Thank you. Podcast Network.